in this season four premiere episode of Let's Talk About It. We're going to talk about one of our favorite shows, Secession. We're going to give you an overview, some of our favorite moments, and what we can learn from the show. And in our relationship segment, we're going to talk about the ego. We're going to define it, tie it in with the show, as well as ask the question, can you heal an injured ego? You're here. You joined us. Let's talk about it. sounds good it feels good ladies and gentlemen we are back (laughs) we're back and it's like we never left i'm malcolm morgan and i'm micah morgan and you're joining us for let's talk about it (laughs) micah i feel like we have it turned on the microphones fired up the old roadcaster and (laughs) talked about our favorite things in quite a a long time yeah how are you going to update the people today Oh, wow. Um, well, you know, still have the same name, still living where we used to when we recorded the last time. <laughs> um, <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I mean. You've been gone for this long and that's all you have to say to our adoring fans. Listen, first off, I think it's something to celebrate that we've had stability and <laughs> and no, not very much change. I mean, you're making people think we just, we've been living in the streets. No. Just recording podcasts in random locations. <laughs> I don't think that's the impression I'm getting <laughs> at all. But since my update was just so disappointing, how about you? Update, I've update traveled people? the world. Oh, okay. a very small part of the world. You have yes, you've we've been traveled the world. We've celebrated world. birthdays and anniversaries. Okay, shared family time. Wow, been successfully um, navigating our careers. It's just been. Such a fulfilling time. Wow. You know what? In this break. You're right. My my update was very disappointing Thank compared you. to that. <laughs> Kids, this, this is what a professional podcasting looks like. <laughs> anyway, thank you guys for joining us. We've really missed you guys. Yeah. Um, and we're excited to get the season kicked off, season four. Finally. With the banger. One of our favorite shows over the last few years that we've watched. The HBO hit. Secession. If we had the rights, we would start playing the intro, but we, we do would. not, and we are not paying for that. So, <laughs> but the intro is iconic. I freaking iconic. It's it's Game of Thrones level for sure. Yeah, and yeah. Sopranos level. Yeah, I mean, every time I hear the HBO sound, the next thing in my brain that comes out is Sopranos song. Yeah, no matter yeah. what I'm watching, that's fair. Yeah, but Secession. Um, yeah. I won't, we won't we won't rank it in the pantheon of shows. We're not going to go yeah. that deep. But we're just going to talk a little bit about the show. Um want to warn all of you, this will be a spoiler cast. Absolutely. We are going to spoil the show. We're not saving anything. Nope. Um, or skip anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, we won't be able to talk about everything, obviously. But there's no holding back. There will be spoilers. So if you haven't seen the show, if you've been waiting, leave now. <laughs> and, but, but come back. Come, come back, back for the second segment. For the second segment. <laughs> Even though we will talk, be talking about secession in that segment too. So. Oh, that's true. There will be spoilers then. Yeah. Okay, maybe meet us in episode two yes. then. 
<laughs> so secession. Um, it is about the Roy family, a family that owns a large media entertainment conglomerate called Waystar Royco. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have television stations. They have newspapers. They have local news stations. They have a, a cruise division. They have a movie division. They put satellites in space. It's just a huge, yeah. enormous company. A little sprinkle of organized crime uh, on top. Um, okay. What? I don't know about that, but, you know. Mm. You think all crime is organized crime. So <laughs> I mean, if it's pre-planned. <laughs> <laughs> the family is headed by... The patriarch Logan Roy, founder of the company, um, I believe he's from Ireland, mm-hmm. uh, came to America and built this this company into the behemoth that it became. Um, and then he has four children: Connor, who we honestly will not talk about a lot about in, oh, in the show. Um, he's the oldest, but he is the least involved in the family <laughs> affairs, and has some concerning behavior that we just won't get a chance to address. But he's one of the most Interesting characters of the show. He is, bless his heart. Kendall, who, LOL, is the oldest. Is the oldest. Second <laughs> second kid oldest, <laughs> uh, according to him. Um, oh, and it is also worth noting, Connor has a different mom. Yes, Connor does other. have a different mom than the other three kids. Yeah. Um, who's not talked about very often. And, and not talked about fondly when she is. Exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, Kendall, the oldest second kid, um, is the, when we come into the show, is the heir apparent. It's going to take over for his father mm-hmm. uh, as the chairman and CEO of Waystar Royco. Spoiler alert, that does not happen. It very and much does not. his father kind of pulls the rug out from under him. He's had some drug issues in the past. Um, and he is a guy that likes to talk in buzzwords. Oh my gosh. He's talking in keywords all the time. I don't think he said a full sentence the whole, the show. whole show. Everything is just clickbait, <laughs> grab bag of keywords. Bullet points. Um next oldest is um Roman Roy. Wait, no, Shiv is Sh- next. No, Shiv is the youngest. No, Roman is the youngest. You look it up, Shiv is the youngest. Is she really? Yeah. Oh, my bad, y'all. You can look it up. You can confirm it for me. Okay. Um, but next in, in the age order is Roman Roy, who is, when the show starts, he is not involved with the company at the time. He was and kind of uh-huh. had some issues that caused him to leave. But Logan, being the wonderful father that he is, brings him back in to make him think that he could be the one to run the company. Yeah. Um, and starts to pit those siblings again against themselves and the youngest is Shivroy um or Siobhan Roy. Um she yeah, is you are right. Thank you. <laughs> she is outside of the company completely um when the show starts. She's a political analyst that works for um people running for office, mm-hmm. usually congressmen, congress and senators trying to also work to get them to become president. So she's completely outside of the sphere. Um, but not necessarily because she doesn't want to be. It's because she's trying to build something for her own and hopefully can work her way back into her father's good graces to hopefully be considered for the CEO job. And she is married to a wonderful, wonderful Midwestern young man by the way of Tom, by a man by the name of Tom Wombsgans. That was quite the mouthful. It is. All of it is. <laughs> um, Tom is working in the company at the beginning of the show. He's working in the I'm not sure where he's working, but he eventually he works his way through 
almost all of the divisions of Waste Star. That's true. Um, and we'll Impressive. Give you, and we'll tell you where he ends up at the end uh, of this. That's the only spoiler we'll hold to the end. Oh my goodness. Um, but he starts off in cruises, and then he is um, co-head of ATN, and then he is the sole head of ATN. So he kind of quickly moves up, and I think we can um, attribute a lot of that to being married to Siobhan. Um, any other characters we want to mention? Um, I think we would be remiss not to mention Sweet Caroline, the mother of these <laughs> of these wonderful siblings, who we will also talk more about later. Mm-hmm. Um, she is not primary mm-hmm. in the you know, but she is very important. But she is very important. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, oh, I think it's also worth mentioning Jerry. Yes. She um, is the um, lead. It, was she the lead, at, like, attorney? I'm trying to remember what her counsel was. I want to say lead counsel or something like that. Something like that. Yeah, but she's on the board um, and is a very key figure in the company. Mm-hmm. Um, serves as a proxy mentor for Roman for a short time. She is Shiv's godmother. Mentor is that is that how we're describing? Well, that's how she described the relationship that she had with with Roman. Oh, now, what yeah. Roman described that relationship with is, is a whole other <laughs> another situation. <laughs> um, and then there's Marsha, who is um, Logan's wife at the time of the show. Marcia, his Marcia, last Marcia. wife, his, I guess we could safely say. Yep, she was the last one. Um, she she's a. She kind of comes in and out of the show at, at times. She was co- very important in the first two seasons, not as important in the last two. Uh-huh, yeah. Uh, but she's definitely a, a, a formidable figure mm-hmm. in her own right. Um, and then, um, yeah, I think that's I think that's as, yeah, I think that as deep it. as we need to get to the characters. So, oh, well, let, we can talk about Lucas Matson too, CEO of Gojo. Oh. Oh, that's right. Um, who shows up in season, I believe he starts in season three mm-hmm. as a rival to Logan and then eventual business partner and with Logan. And then did he ever officially become a business partner? That was the original framework of the relationship they were trying to. But it was uh, never solidified, though. Well, and then before it was solidified, it became a he was purchasing uh, Waystar. Waystar. Yes. Okay. Shifting relationship. Yep. Um, so let's talk about some of the themes of the show. I think the show, from a writing standpoint, is one of the best in television. Um, I mean, even the cinematic choices they make, everything. I mean, but the writing in the show is, is yeah. A+. Plus. And I think one of the important things to remember is that this show um, is created by a British writer. Um, and so he's really looking at... American culture, American business, politics from an outside perspective and really critiquing that. Mm, I forgot about that element. Yeah. J- Jesse Armstrong's the the showrunner, primary writer for the show. Mm-hmm. Um, he does all the post. He's in, in all the post um, show interviews and things. Um, and so I think it's really that's a, an important lens to look at that. This 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 show is shining a light on American business culture mm. and political culture. And it's not a positive light. It's satirizing it in a lot of ways and poking fun at the absurdity of it all. Yeah, definitely. Definitely was not a positive advertisement. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think perhaps the second theme is uh, just an exploration of 
what it looks like to be children of entrepreneurs and in these, you know, builders of these huge businesses. And I mean, again, the lack of positive advertisement was that you end up seeing these children get into these positions of leadership in these companies without perhaps developing real skills um, a lot of the times. And so this show definitely poked fun at that as well. I think, I think a big thing in the last two seasons is you see, as you see them kind of try to take the reins of this company or get higher up in the company, eventually Mm -hmm. to the top seat, you always hear them talking about where I have experience. (laughs) And it's like, no, your dad has experience. Yes. You were there. Uh-huh. But you've never actually run an organization. You've never successfully led anything of significance. You've just kind of had seats at dad's table. Um, and so the entitlement that came along with that is just like, it's an, it was incredible that they, their resume, they thought their dad's resume was their resume. Which was very intriguing because when people challenge that, and I think I'm thinking particularly of when Shiv would say this, mm-hmm. There was like a visceral response of mm-hmm. offense for for her, mm-hmm. and you know, being an onlooker, I'm kind of like, well, I mean, Shiv, we're watching you not have real experience, <laughs> so like, yeah. how are you defining this in your head? And I wonder if there really is like in that world a definition of experience as proximity, yeah. like because I have overheard so many of these conversations because I have vacationed alongside of so many of these key people that counts as experience. And that was very surreal for me to watch. And their dad had called Logan's called that out several times in conversations with Mm -hmm. them or with other people. I think one of his biggest, you know, as once again, spoiler alert, he, he is, trying to hold off a, a hostile takeover for some mm-hmm. some actors on his board and outside of his board that are trying to take over the company. And so um, one way he tries to go is trying to um, work with Luke, Lucas Madden, mm-hmm. Madsen, mm-hmm. who's working for Gojo or started Gojo, this other tech company. Um, but what ends up happening is they make a deal for Lucas to buy waystar and eventually and essentially take over waystar mm-hmm. and the kids won't be a part of the yeah. leadership of of waystar anymore mm-hmm. and one of the things he talks about is that he doesn't see any of himself in his kids but when he mm. looks at lucas he sees a peer he sees somebody who built something from the ground up yeah who knows what it takes to build and keep something his and his kids just do not have that they've been handed everything mm. they've been given everything and have not had to build anything and there's literally a uh a a moment i believe it's at the end of season three where the kids are like well what are we supposed to do and he's like build your own pile i have a pile of money you don't have a pile of money build your own pile oh my gosh and then you just see the look on their face like they it didn't compute for them it's like what (laughs) also comma i find it very upsetting though because yes all things considered, build your own pile. Mm-hmm. And also you were really their sole and most consistent caregiver for most of their lives. Which is and, a scary thought. Which is a terrifying thought. <laughs> and you didn't teach them how to build their own pile. Mm-hmm. So the gaslighting. <laughs> it's both the, I want you guys to be self-sufficient, but I've created an environment where you're completely dependent you're on me. You're completely for dependent. Everything. Yeah. So I'm just like, absolutely. I wholeheartedly believe in raising children to be self-sufficient and and learning a healthy rhythm of interdependence with other people (laughs) 
but and also do actually do that. So the way that he would like basically punish them for not being able to do the thing that he never taught them to do was very hard to watch. But I think his thing is I no one talk I didn't have a roadmap for how to do this. I figured it out. That's just I mean that's oh, with yeah. that with that generation of people who have who rightfully have built what they have. Um I didn't have a roadmap. Why so you need to figure it out. I figured it out. I did it. Look at me. Wild. You are the you are the product of what I have created. Why can't you do that too for yourself? Yeah. But you want this you want me to hand this to you because of why. <laughs> And poor I Roman. Would, I would rather sell it to some stranger. Literally. Literally. <laughs> and poor Roman actually had an answer to that question. Yeah. <laughs> Love? Yeah. He said, at, at the end of season three, there's a moment where the kids are, are thinking they're going to bandy together and, yeah. and stop the sale. But long story short, they don't. And so the father's like, and this is the best you got? What, what did you come here with? I won't use the colorful language you used to say what you came in with. But what did you come here with? And the Roman goes, love? You come at me with love? Oh, my god! Like, he was offended. He was offended. He was, <laughs> he was flummoxed, flabbergasted that his son would imagine that his father would be moved by love for him. His, his dad has a, bazoo- a bazooka, a knife. <laughs> Two AKs and a sniper on the roof, and you come here with love. With love? <laughs> Poor Roman. Hold up your love while I fire everything right. I've got at let you. Me, let me know how it goes. And and this, my friends, is yeah. the epitome of this relationship. Yeah. I think another another big part of the show is that wealth corrupts completely. Um, yeah. You see the characters that obviously that have everything when they come into the show. And there's people like Tom who came from nothing. Mm -hmm. People like Greg, who at the beginning of the show, you're kind of endeared to him because you're like, Oh, he's so innocent. And and then by the end of the show, he's one of the nasty brothers and he has a, a carnage of women in his wake that he has (laughs) discarded. Um, Solid imagery. (laughs) um, And so you see these people that the higher, the higher the get up, the more, Mm -hmm. I mean, I think, I think to me, one of the the best examples of this is Kendall, who spends the whole show basically putting himself as an advertisement of being the anti his dad. Mm. Like my dad is a terrible person. I'm the alternative because I'm a good person. Yeah. But then you watch over four seasons of him not being a good person, mm-hmm. and you you see him slowly start becoming his father and his relationship with his ex wife Rava, his two kids. Which you can make an argument that he tries. I will make the argument that he really did not get a, a lot of effort to be a good father to them. Um, you just won't give Kendall won't. no Absolutely not. grace. Absolutely not. Oh, Kendall. Watched his son get smacked. He he said stop. Which is him trying. Yeah. Even his even his ex-wife was like, oh, wait, thanks, Kendall. <laughs> Appreciate it. In his defense. He, re- he reacted harder when uh, Logan hit his brother than, his, than when Logan hit his son. You know what? Yeah, you have a point there. <laughs> I'll hand you that one back. I'll take that out. Logan likes to hit people, guys. Just want to throw that yep, out there. Yep, he does. Um, so you see this this idea that wealth, there's just nothing redeeming. And you see that in all these characters. All these characters, at some point, you're like, you know what? I, I think this is the guy I want. And then in two episodes, you're like, God, you need to go, need to, go to jail. Like, you don't even just need to <laughs> stop. You need to go to Straight prison. To jail. Yeah. Yeah, there were no heroes in the show, no for sure. No 
heroes in secession kids. Not a one. Do not find your role models in secession. <laughs> unless unless it's Jess. Unless it's Kendall's. You know. Unless it's Kendall's assistant Jess. She was a ride or die. She was a real she one. She rode with him through drug addiction, through. Verbal abuse. Through a couple suicide attempts. Like all kinds of. murder. Crazy maybe? birthday party ideas that borderline <laughs> abuse. Just every, like, trying yeah. to kill his father on so many different occasions. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Trying to end democracy. Like, she was there. <laughs> She's like, I am here for you. Yeah. For us, and, to the, and the wheels fell off. The and wheels just fell was off. like, you know what? I need to get out of I here. I resign. <laughs> I resign. One of the most emotionally manipulative requested resignations I've ever seen. Yes, yes. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so, yes. yeah, Jess may be the only hero in the entire show. Yeah. yeah. Jess and I think maybe um Connor, the old the real oldest, uh his wife. She actually starts to like stand up for Connor, like cuz huh. no one stands up for Connor for any reason. So Connor is the actual oldest kid. He's the one that has a different mom than the other three. Mm-hmm. Um and there's actually a moment when they're all sitting at a table and and Kendall says, well, I'm the oldest. I was supposed to be the next one. And Connor just kind of looks at him like, but you're not the oldest. And so this is, and then Kendall says, but come on. Oh. Connor, come on. Oh. <laughs> as if Connor does <laughs> is not going exist. to agree. <laughs> like I'm sitting here as living proof that you're wrong. It was, it was amazing. He's so disregarded in this whole thing. Oh my goodness. That that was <laughs> to the point that he runs for president oh. just because he needs to feel important. Yeah, <laughs> and he loses very quickly, very badly and quickly, <laughs> and flames out. No matter how much his siblings make fun of him, like, "Hey, how does it feel to go from doing nothing to running for president?" Like, <sighs> you think that's a natural progression? Oh my goodness! But, but to her credit, yeah. I'm forgetting her I name. I can't remember her name either. Um. She is a former, um, what's the word we're using? Sex worker. Sex worker who Connor falls in love with. Um, and it's, it's debatable. Willa. 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 Um, Go Willa. She is clearly at the beginning of the show just using him for money. Fund her play, fund what she wants to do. And honestly, to her credit, she continued to be honest about that. She was very honest, and Connor was very naive. He was. And just kept lavishing her with all sorts of love. And Willow's just like, oh. It worked for just them. Just kind of going, oh. And then, but by the end of the show, <laughs> even though you could tell that she is literally dying being with this, this yeah. man, she defends him at family functions, defends him to strangers who mm-hmm. try to say bad things about him. Like, she is his fiercest and only defender. And only defender. That relationship has a lot of issues, but her support of Connor's foolishness is not one of them. But you know what? He, there was a moment where, I forget who he was talking to. It might have been... I think it was after Logan finishes telling the siblings that I love you, but you're not serious people. Mm-hmm. And then that is when Connor has his monologue about why he no longer needs love. Mm-hmm. And he starts to basically accuse the other three siblings of being failures and continuing to fail because you're still trying to get love and mm-hmm. you're not going to get it. Mm-hmm. And so I think there's there's a sympathy that Willa has for Connor because she can see that in him, that mm-hmm. he's... He's been broken so much that yeah. he doesn't even like 
try to get authentic love anymore. Yeah. And I think she was endeared by that and wants to sympathize and, and be protective of that. So so from here, I want to pivot to our favorite moments. And okay. that, that yeah. quote that you just read off is one of, I think, a central thing for the whole show. Yeah. I love you, but you're not serious people. And so Logan says this after, um, and I believe it's in the last season. This is the last season. I think and so. And the kids are now trying to branch out on their own and do their own thing. And there's this point where there's this legacy media company. Um, it's essentially if, if Ray, Waystar is the Fox news of this, of this universe, mm-hmm. this other news is the other opposite side of the political spectrum. And Logan has been trying to buy them apparently since they existed mm, that's because right. this is like his white whale. If he gets this, he feels like his, his, his legacy is cemented. And so the kids know this and so the kids are actually starting to build up their own thing and they stop doing that and focus all of their attention and money on buying this thing that mm. they know their dad wants. Yeah. And so at this seminal moment before they, I believe, I don't know if they have bid yet or started bidding yet, yet. Yeah. And, and they're negotiating about, he's trying to get them to come back in in some way back mm-hmm. into the company and stop all this foolishness. And the kids are like, why would we stop when we have something brewing and all this stuff? And they kind of go back and forth. And finally, he just says, I love you. I love all of you. But y'all are not serious people. Which is pretty much what, there's no lie in any of that. It hurts. It's very painful. And it took four seasons, but there's no lie in it. (laughs) I mean, the first part is still questionable. Does he love his children? That's whatever love means. Love? (laughs) Love? I mean, legit. I don't know (laughs) if he's capable (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, definitely the second part of the quote. <laughs> uh, and I think I, I think you see that in the way that other people in the company deal with them, that other people, other business people that know what they're doing, they don't take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not serious people. Your daddy's little little helpers. Yeah, which again, you created these not yeah. serious people. So. There's that. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, how can we continue a list of favorite moments if not mentioning the copious amounts of times that Logan shouted F off yes. at people? Yes. I mean, the montages that are now available online yes. of him just saying that yes. is, I mean, chef's kiss. Yes. Um, but also, comma. I think it also shows how dismissive he is Absolutely. relationally. Like yeah. the it just a constant pattern of someone trying to engage with him seriously mm-hmm. or to try to elicit any emotional response from him that's human and you pretty much know what he's going to say it's going to be f off. Mm-hmm. So that's like a quintessential quote of the show. It's, it and it sums him up so well. Yeah. Just, and even the kids you see you see it come off in different ways right. for them too. Shiv will just, it'll just, it just, it, it doesn't just feel the out. same, but it just comes out. <laughs> because you've heard it your whole life, uh-huh. undoubtedly. You it's, were a three-year-old sitting in a high chair. It and- is ingrained in your DNA. <laughs> this is going to come out at some point. Oh my goodness. Um, I think another pivotal moment is at the end of season three. So to paint the picture for what's going on here, um, their father is trying to fight off a hostile takeover and at, a certain point, there was going to be a merger of equals between Waystar and Gojo, led, led by Lucas Mat- Matson. Mm-hmm. Uh, Logan goes into that meeting with Roman. He sends Roman home. And then from then on, the kids are on the outside and do not know what's happening. 
Oh, that's right. But moves are being made. They're getting word that, excuse me, certain executives within the company are being flown in mm-hmm. to this location, but they have no idea what's going on, no visibility. And eventually they get word that Logan is going to sell the company mm-hmm. to Lucas Matson, essentially ending their future hopes of being head of the firm. Um, and so they talk through their options. The siblings at this point are not really talking to each other, not working together. Look, mm-hmm. um, Kendall is a shell of himself. Um, Kendall feels like he's the next up and Shiv has been scorned um, as when she, she thought she was the next one up, but now she's no longer number one kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but by this point they realize their future is in danger and their only way that they can stop it is if they do it together. Yeah. So they, Kendall, I believe, is the one that says that they have the controlling shares and they can block any sale mm-hmm. uh, because of the divorce settlement between yep. their mother and Logan. And so armed with this, they start to make calls. They start to do all the things they need to do to get their ducks lined up so that they can go in and tell their dad that they are blocking this deal and they're not going to let it happen. Um, and Shiv, as a probably a wife would do, calls her husband to let them know what she's up to and this is what we're doing. We're going to take down the big man. So they go, they drive out to this location where their dad is hunkered down with his team, working on the numbers, working on the finals of the deal. They walk in, their their, uh, chest puffed out. Dad, (laughs) you can't make this deal without us. You need us because you, because we have controlling share because of the agreement that you and mom made when you got divorced so that we would have, you know, control the company and all of these things and you can't do it. And he looks at them and says, that's what you got. That's the best you got. And then he said, Caroline, are you on the phone? Oh, she's like, oh, she's off. Get her back on. And they're all the kids are all looking there. Well, you can't, you can't make this sale without us. You, you can't. He's like, oh, I can't, I can't. And all you hear the mother say is, "Guys, I'm sorry. Mm. Guys, I'm sorry." Oof. Logan paid her off. Got those shares. Got back. those shares back, and the kids had nothing. And that's where we get the "You come at me with love" scene and this. This moment where all of these kids think they're about to triumphantly finally defeat their father. And their father says, no, you didn't. I am still the goat. Yeah. And there's this moment that happens where where Tom or when Logan walks out of the room mm-hmm. after all this happens, the kids are dejected and Shiv looks up. And Logan pats Tom on the shoulder. Kind of loving, kind of giving him that loving. Like a you've made me you. proud. Yeah. And Tom looks up at Shiv, and Shiv looks at Tom, and then Tom tries to play it off and walk in and act like, oh, what happened? I'm so sorry. And there's this beautiful moment where he goes to reach down to comfort her, and she shudders. And you see it all sink in. Yep. That my husband just sold me out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that is one of the great moments, because you see, first of all, the the dynamics between Shiv and Tom are just... Shiv has emasculated this man at every opportunity. Every turn. Made fun, put him on the chopping block, talked down to him, mm-hmm. everything that she could do to hurt this man. Yep. And he has done nothing up until this point but adore her and uh-huh. love her and protect her uh-huh. and support her. Yep. And in this moment, Tom finally looked out for himself because Shiv never looked out for him. Not once. And she lost it on the inside. She did. You could... You could see her visibly crumble yeah. inside. Yeah. And 
this is one of the moments where I decided that the actress who played Shiv, she's she's up there now mm-hmm. on on the top charts of my list yeah. because she communicated so much in that moment yes. non-verbally. Like you could see the trajectory of yep. her watching Tom get the loving gesture from Logan mm-hmm. and then putting it together yeah. that Tom was the only person who could have tipped Logan off that the kids were on the way there to stop that sale. Mm-hmm. And then once she realized that and then saw him walk toward her and play it off Mm -hmm. and you could almost see in her face like a, are you seriously going to let me see you Mm -hmm. do this to me and pretend like I don't see you doing this to me? Mm -hmm. And then, but it never crossed her mind that that was even possible. That he would do that. Tom is this Midwestern guy who I brought in Mm -hmm. who is reliant on me for his status, for everything that he needs. There is not a a version of the multiverse where this happens to her. (laughs) Oh, not the multiverse. And so she had to see that to see it happening in her face, uh-huh. just I, it just broke her. Yeah. And, and what's I think what's beautiful about the show is that the show never at no point there or afterwards do you see them say, "Oh, well, I know Tom did this." We oh. saw it all in that all in the visuals yep. of that scene, yep. and we believe it because we saw it. <laughs> we saw it. All we needed to see was her face and her body posture. Yeah. And then yeah. what I love about how the scene ends. And it was the very last moment of this of the show too, or this yeah the show the episode mm-hmm. is you can see her reharden again yeah like she almost like after she recoils away from his his hand then you can see her like straighten up her back again yeah. and that was the moment when she was like oh, oh this is what we gonna do yeah. then this is what we gonna do yeah yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, so we could really talk about this all day. We might have to do like a bonus episode yeah. to talk some more because there's so some other good. great, some other great moments. This would have been a great show if we had been thinking about it to to do like live episode recaps, but but we were just enjoying it. We were just enjoying it. So, um, real quick, what do you think audiences can learn from the show? <laughs> oh my gosh, um. Go to therapy. <laughs> if you if you suspect that you might need to go to therapy, it's okay. There's nothing wrong with it. I mean, these kids, I'm, I'm sorry, they're grown adults. But mm-hmm. the way that they were continually infantilized throughout the show just makes me, like, want to hold them and treat them as young teenagers. Mm-hmm. They have been so battered yeah. by Logan that it's just, like, impossible for me to imagine a world where they would have been emotionally healthy. Mm-hmm. So I'm just looking at them like, I, I just need y'all to go to a therapist. Like nobody is going to a therapist. <laughs> so that's what I would say would be one lesson. It's okay to get therapy. <laughs> you struggling to figure out yours. I got some funny advice. Like that's the funny things to learn. Like sometimes she's got punch people like Roman just has never been punched in his life. See, we can't be supporting just, violence. He, just, he would just say stuff and he'd be like, if somebody just punched you one time, you wouldn't talk this crazy. <laughs> you just wouldn't talk this nuts to me for a person who I know can't fight. Oh, you just need to get punched one time. Okay. So how about, how about I offer a potential <laughs> reframe? Okay. Reframe go. I think Roman is one example of what it looks like for someone to be shielded from consequences mm, over and over is. again. Yes. Because he never learned. Somebody needs to open natural the floodgates consequences. of consequences on him. You're right. <laughs> open the floodgates of consequences on people that need it. That's it. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think. Wealth and power corrupts, man. I don't know. 
that's 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 a lesson from the show for me. Every, everybody in the show, nobody is leaves the show unscathed. Mm, yeah, no, no one leaves this show as a hero. There's no heroes in this. Not a one. Mm. Well, give away all your possessions, folks. Let us know what you think. If you want us to do some more secession, you want to hear us bonus episode or video of us talking about this more. We have so much more we can talk so about. So much and hours be, and hours. Would be so much fun. <laughs> So, very smooth segue. Uh, One of the things I've been thinking about when it comes to the show is one of my favorite parts of the show, which is the way it explored emotional health Mm -hmm. and, like, relational dynamics. I think the writers did an amazing job with showing the nuances of that. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the most prominent elements of emotional health that it highlighted is actually how the ego shows up in relationships. Mm -hmm. And so... I'm just curious, like, when you think about the word ego, what do you think comes to most people's minds in terms of a definition? Well, I know the people of God, they say ego <laughs> is easing God out. That's what that means. Well, thank you for that churchy response. I mean, with easing God out, that's what <laughs> ego is. Amen. Amen. No, I think ego is, it's all about self. Um, I mean, that's like an oversimplification, but it's all about mm. self. The view of self, the treatment of self, the projection of self. Um, that's what ego is about. And so I think a a lot of what's misunderstood about ego is that ego is bad, but I think ego, a healthy ego, um, allows you to have a certain level of self-confidence without delusions of grandeur. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it helps you feel a, a level of, of safety, comfort and security within your own skin. But the, the, I think the part that gets, talked about the most that is glamorized the most is the over ego the, mm-hmm. the ones that lift push others down to lift up themselves that yeah. think more highly of themselves than others and think they're the best things to slice bread mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. no that was that was pretty solid yeah i mean coming from the mental health world um you know most of us when we go through, you know, grad school or whatever program that we go through to get our licensure, we learn about Sigmund Freud, Mm -hmm. which, um, you know, he was a neurologist who, you know, did a lot of trailblazing work in psychology. Mm -hmm. And so we actually get the term ego from him um, and his work in Austria. And, Since then, we have actually debunked a lot of what Mm. he came up with when it comes to his idea of the ego. Mm -hmm. Um, in In a nutshell, he envisioned the ego as kind of a part of our mentality or our psyche that tries to negotiate between our very uncontrollable desires called the id Mm -hmm. and our sense of like morality or what's right and wrong called the superego. So the ego, he believed, was kind of the thing in the middle that tried to figure out, okay, which which part of myself am I going to say yes to in this moment? Mm-hmm. So really, since then, research has basically debunked the idea that there's something called an ego, but we still have continued to research and find that there is something called like a sense of self, yeah, which is kind of this... I think you described it really well. It's this this picture of ourselves that we hold from the inside out. Um, and so just as a disclaimer, as we continue having this conversation, dear listener, 
we're going to keep using the word ego, but it's really going to be that sense of self kind of idea. Yeah. Like self-esteem, self-value, self-worth. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the things that stood out to me in the show that I think was really demonstrated very well when it comes to a sense of self or an ego is that there's a spectrum of how well a person can basically say yes or no to their own desires in when they come up against the desires of someone else. Mm-hmm. So if you have a really fragile ego or sense of self, it's very difficult for you to do that. Yeah. And if you have a pretty healthy sense of self, it's pretty easy for you to kind of still live up to your own desires. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you kind of think about that picture of ego or sense of self, which one of the characters like comes to mind for you? For which side? If any. The... Like, it, like any. Any side. I mean, what immediately came to my mind of a, of a fragile ego was, was Kendall, particularly after like season, yeah. season two, where uh-huh. Logan had kind of systematically done things to break him down. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of which being at the beginning of the show, Kendall makes this purchase of another media company called Valter. Yep. Um, it was kind of going to be his, his baby. He was going to bring this into the Waystar family and then really grow this as a, as another media outlet, a new media outlet. Mm-hmm. Um, and once Logan's dad kind of reneges in the deal and Kendall tries to take over a couple times in between there, <laughs> um, he Didn't sends, well. he basically sends Kendall and Roman over to dismantle Walter, mm-hmm. take, pick the bones of what's the good parts of it and shut it down and make Kendall be the one to have to tell the company that, or tell people that work there that they're done. Yep. Um, and I mean, and when they asked, when the people at Walter asked, why did you do it? He said, because my dad told me to. Mm-hmm. And that's all he could say, because this was kind of the last we watched. We watched him tear down the last vestiges of whatever his leadership was when he was the short time he was CEO. Right. And also the last vestiges of his ego, like yeah. watching him dismantle this this thing that he was the lead person behind and the mm-hmm. visionary to, to help bring into the Waystar family. And he had to go in there, and dismantle it himself. Yeah. And I think one of the tangible demonstrations of just how fragile his sense of self was, is when he let an employee spit in his face yep. and like, you could just see the stoic flat mm-hmm. facial expression that he maintained. Mm-hmm. And that for me was a picture of like his sense of, I'm going to hold to my own desires and sense of right and wrong, yeah. no matter what anyone else says, yeah. was just not there. And there's another moment, too, that I think it's not long after that, um, when Shiv is starting to as- assume some responsibility in hopes of eventually being handed the torch. Mm-hmm. And Shiv thinks that Kendall is trying to make a play, even though Kendall is a broken, shattered man. Mm. And he basically says, hey, when you take over, like, take care of me because when dad's done with me, I don't know what, what I'm going to do. Oh, that's right. And he's crying her arms. And she, even she's like, Oh wow. Yeah. So you see this moment where he's like, without dad, without dad kind of pulling the strings and putting me in places. I, I don't have a purpose. Mm-hmm. I need, I need you to give me purpose. Yeah. And that's just, it. that was one of the most heartbreaking moments of the show because you see Kendall. It's just like, he's gone. Yeah. He's gone at this point. He's a shell of himself. Yeah. 
And that's what's so interesting about the show is because of just how emotionally unhealthy Logan is. Mm -hmm. um, And I would even be willing to say, I mean, you know, as a therapist, we are not supposed to diagnose anyone that we are not (laughs) sharing a formal client relationship with. But if there was anybody I was willing (laughs) to call someone that has a narcissistic personality disorder, it would be Logan Mm -hmm. Roy. Um, and it's just the way that he manipulated these kids' sense of worth mm-hmm. constantly. Like yeah. he would he would dangle something in front of them that he knows that he wants, which for all of them is a, a chance to experience affirmation from him as a part of the business. That's pretty much Well, the biggest affirmation is that you are the one that's gonna take over my legacy. Right. That is the That's the that biggest carrot. And he and like you said, he knew how to wield that. Mm-hmm. Even when people were on that like Shiv who had started to build a, a successful career with somebody even um at, at a certain point she was working for a senator who was on track to be nominated and maybe even be president. Yep. And she stepped away from that just for the not even a promise, but a chance. A chance. She's like, I can't, I can't. This is what I, this is what I really want. I want my dad to look at me as the one. But didn't Logan, like once he caught wind of how well it was going, didn't he initiate that conversation with her to make her come over? Yeah, he did. Yeah. But he knew exactly what to say to her. Exactly. He, he said, I always thought, I always thought you were the one, Pinky. Ooh. Used her, used her little nickname too. Lies. I always thought you were the one. You're the, you're the, I mean, essentially you're the best parts of me. Like you have all of that. You've gone out, out there and done your own thing. Deception. You have, you have all the parts. <laughs> no so like yeah but he did that with all the kids all of them and that that is how you i mean i I say this tentatively but a narcissistic (laughs) personality knows how to strip away Mm -hmm. people's sense of self-worth by dangling in front of them you know what will help them feel affirmed and then snatching it away what's what was also this is you know it's tangential to what we're talking about but there's a moment when Logan is courting um, the former CEO of a, of a different media company to to maybe eventually be the CEO of his company, and they end up having some sort of relationship that is not mm. made absolutely clear, but it's made pretty clear. <laughs> and it's funny to see the kids like, well, how does she, like, how, does she actually find him attractive? Like, is he, <laughs> and it's like, this is the same person that entice, that abuses you guys. Yeah, yeah. And then... You know what? You're the one, and you're like, "Oh, Dad, yes, uh huh, yeah." So, they're, and they're like, "How is he able to to get these women? How does he get you?" Listen, ma'ams and sirs, <laughs> the same tactics, just different instruments. <laughs> um, but yeah, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Logan's trauma. Mm-hmm. And what made him him, which yeah. is consistent with most of the research that we've done so far on narcissistic mm-hmm. personality disorder. There's typically significant trauma in the childhood that that creates, you know, the dynamics, mm-hmm. um, you know, that that people fall mm-hmm. into in adulthood. And, and that's what's so complicated about the show. And of course, the writers don't give us mm-hmm. that nugget of information until the funeral. Yes. Well, the full picture. The full picture. We get little. We get hints. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I guess he was perhaps blamed for his sister's, sister's death. death. Mm-hmm. And 
at a pretty young age, if I if I recall correctly. And I also believe weren't they immigrating around the same time or had immigrated over here to the U.S.? Uh, when he was younger, yes. When he was younger. I, be- and I believe they went to Canada first and then came to the United yep. States. Yeah. Because his brother ended up staying in Canada. Yep. So two significant traumas. Mm-hmm. And how- we've, we've heard about abusive parents. Uh, uh-huh. Uncle. I believe it might have been an it uncle. It was an uncle. Uh-huh. Yep. An abusive so, uncle. At least three traumas. And you see there's a scene where he goes swimming when they try to do family therapy, which is a hilarious episode. Um <laughs> And he gets out of the pool and you see these scars. They never talk about it, but he has these scars all over his back. That's right. Which, oh my goodness, just chef's kiss to the writers Mm -hmm. that they were that subtle with it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, right. So these several nuggets of information that you get that show you that Logan did not become who he was by choice. Um, And so there's a, there's a complicated sympathy that you develop for Logan. Probably not until season four. And I don't don't even know if we got, if you feel after everything that he's done. Well, here's the thing that he died. He, you know, spoiler alert, he dies dies. in the third episode of season four. Mm -hmm. And he has done so much to us (laughs) up until this point that you start to think, he might be faking his own death to get like sympathy from his kids. Legit though, I was maybe until <laughs> the funeral episode six, uh-huh. still expecting him to come back He's to life. Be like, I got you. <laughs> that is how this is. This is how much this man gaslit uh-huh. even the audience. <laughs> like, <laughs> so yeah, you're right. Perhaps sympathy is not the right word, but you you get context. Yeah, you get context yeah. for for who he is and how he has managed to create children with no sense of self outside of him. And I think that's my last thought is the other thing that's masterful about the show is that when he's gone, you still feel his presence. Yes. He is a ever present figure. Because I mean, the children, I mean the kids, the siblings have no idea how to function without Mm -hmm. him pulling the strings and you just see chaos in his absence. Yeah. Yeah. So Micah, um, we could talk about this all day, (laughs) but what have we learned tonight? What have we learned? Well, I think we learned to give away all of our possessions so that our wealth doesn't corrupt us. I, I want to. Right? That's I, what I wrote down. I, that is, you know. No? Wealth corrupts, but what <laughs> level of, of wealth? What level of wealth? <laughs> right. What is the threshold? Let's find, let's find where the. Is it $250,000? Yeah, I can still keep like, my moral you know, compass. Let's see. <laughs> but wealth corrupts. Um, is one thing, but then also like just exploring the ways that the ego can kind of show up in family dynamics Mm -hmm. and what it can look like to not have a sense of self and Mm -hmm. the kind of choices that you make as a result. Okay. We didn't, there's one thing I want to do before we, before we close out, we did not answer. Can you heal an injured ego? Short answer. Yes. Can you give me like a little bit longer? (laughs) A little bit longer. I mean, okay. So the, the reason I think. Or several of the reasons why the siblings had grown up with such fragile senses of self is because they really didn't have caregivers Mm -hmm. in neither their mother nor their father who could be a safe space for them Mm -hmm. where they could make mistakes without feeling a constant threat of hostility, rejection, embarrassment or abandonment hiding around the corner. And when you're raised in an environment like that, Unfortunately, 
the chances of you growing up with this very fragile sense of like inability to hold true to your own needs and your desires, the Mm -hmm. chances of that happening goes up. And so really one of the ways that we heal an injured ego is, is we find those spaces, those relationships where over and over again, we practice what it feels like to make a mistake or to be a less polished and perfect version of ourselves without feeling that risk, that Mm -hmm. threat of being abandoned. So it takes a very long time. It takes a lot of work, but it is possible. And I wish we could see that for the Royce. I think what what I, one of the big things that you're saying is that safe space, where's your safe space. And for the kids, there was no safe space. Mm -hmm. Their peer group was filled with people that were either not for them or, Trying to get something trying from to get them. something from them or in, within the company there's people that had their own agendas, obviously their father and mother had their own agendas. there was really no safe space for them um, and so I think that's important for for healing that that injured ego is to find that place, find that group of people, no matter how small it is mm-hmm. find that that place where you can really be true to yourself mm-hmm. make make mistakes boldly and not not have to hide yeah um but be able to learn from them and i think learning from mistakes is a big part of it they, mm-hmm. these kids made mistakes over and over again and they learn nothing yeah i think that's it that's it well we'd love to continue the conversation with you um you can follow um the, my company urban arts digital on facebook instagram and twitter or x whatever we're calling it now <laughs> god that sounds like a porn site but whatever at Urban Arts Digital on Facebook and Instagram and at Urban Arts DIG on Twitter. You can follow us on social media. Micah, you have recently changed oh, that's your right. social media diet, whatever <laughs> you want to call it. Where can people find you now? Yeah, I'm no longer on X. You can find me on Instagram at j.marie.morgan. Are you doing threads? You know, to be continued. Okay. <laughs> I'm on there under the same name, but I'm not on there. That's <laughs> illuminating. No, no. Sounds sketchy. Well, you can find me at Malcolm D-O-T Media on Instagram. On I'm on X. I don't really See? participate much there anymore. You're I'm in the more same active, situation. But I'm more active on threads than I am on Twitter. I lurk on Twitter and, and share stuff occasionally. I don't really post much on Twitter, but I do post on threads. And on Instagram. So join me there. We could continue this conversation. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show. And let us know if you'd like us to talk more. We could do a bonus episode, maybe even do a little YouTube video. Something just for you guys. Just for you. Maybe even we'll call in some backup to help us talk about the show. Mm. I know at least one person who has lobbied me quite (laughs) um, clearly and obviously. (laughs) And I hope he's listening right now. Yes. Yes. So feel free to continue this conversation with us on any of those social media handles and or the hashtag talk about it pod. Yes. Can talk about it. Well? P.O.D. We love to hear from you. Love to hear your thoughts. How much do you love secession? Do you love it as much as we do? And how are you fulfilling your secession needs with it gone? I know. Just rewatching it. Yes. That's probably what it is. Yes. And that's what I'm about to do. Too. <laughs> is that it? I think that's it. That is our season premiere episode of Let's Talk About It, guys. Thank you guys for joining us. We're glad to be back. I am Malcolm Morgan. And I'm Micah Morgan. And we'll see you all next time.